Let us pray together. Loving God, as we heard last night, we study your word in print in the Bible so that we might meet your living word, Jesus Christ, in life. And for that, we need this morning the help of your Holy Spirit. We ask for a fresh anointing upon this gathering of sisters and brothers so that we might go out to live and embody the living Word in our lives. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. In Acts 20, two chapters after our reading here this morning, there is an absolutely unforgettable story and scene where Paul is saying goodbye to his very close friends from Ephesus, from the very same church where we meet Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila this morning. They are all gathered in the port city of Miletus. And on this day... Imagine the Mediterranean Sea is a deep shade of turquoise. Imagine the ships anchored in the harbor bobbing up and down, up and down with each incoming wave. Imagine looking down the shoreline and hearing seagulls laughing raucously as if they alone know some inside joke. And sitting there on the beach are Paul and his dear friends from Ephesus. You see, his friends have hastily traveled two days by foot to the port city of Miletus, where Paul's ship, bound for the Holy Land, has briefly docked. And what we see in this scene is an amazing scene of tenderness and affection between these friends, this group of Jews and Gentiles who don't belong together. For three years, three long years, they have been following Jesus together, hearing His story, receiving His baptism and His Holy Spirit, sharing His love, training in His ways, overcoming racial hostility, enduring violent opposition, and experiencing God's wonder-working power. They've laughed. They've cried. They've argued a lot. All the while, as they walk with God together. And now, if you go to that passage at the end of Acts 20, their tears are flowing freely. Their tears are flowing freely as they realize that this is their very last time together. Dear friends, those folks on the beach in Miletus will tell us that when we walk with God... God blesses us with many new 
and wonderful traveling partners. Amen? We're experiencing that this morning. Did you notice in our reading today from Acts 20, in those seven brief verses, the amazing interconnectivity of the early church? Did you notice that? In seven verses, we hear about Christian communities in Caesarea, Jerusalem, Antioch, Galatia, Phrygia, I said that already, Alexandria, and Achaia, which is Greece today. And in your bulletin insert, you can see a map of all of these churches where Paul and Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos were connected. Dear friends, what we see here are the embryonic beginnings of an interconnected global church. In this passage, we learn that when we walk with God, we discover that we are part of a worldwide family. A family that extends across every border, that cuts through every empire. A Jesus family. A Jesus family. Where all the dividing walls that usually separate people have all come tumbling down. And this past week in Harrisburg, wasn't the Holy Spirit working powerfully to reveal this very reality to us? Yeah. As 8,000 of us from east and west, north and south, worship together, ate together, served together, laughed together, wept together sometimes, sang together, didn't we discover that we are all part of something much bigger and more beautiful than we have ever imagined? We're part of God's family. We are members of one another. We belong together. And one of my great joys was to sit up in the... uh, stands above the global church village with our MYF, our youth, and to look down and for them to be able to behold right there this living reality. When we walk with God, we discover new friends and new family. A second thing we discover in our reading today is that when we walk with God, and we walk with God's people, the Holy Spirit guides us into ever deeper understandings of our Lord Jesus and His good news. In today's reading, we meet Apollos, a Jewish Christian from Alexandria, that's in Egypt today, And what was back then, 2,000 years ago, the very intellectual center. There was a great library there. The intellectual center of the Roman Empire. And we learn in verse 24 that 
This brother is eloquent and a very, very passionate speaker who is deeply grounded in the Hebrew Scriptures. And by the way, this is the reason that some people sometimes wonder if he is perhaps the unknown writer of the book of Hebrews in our New Testament. So in verse 5, it goes on to say that Apollos has been instructed in the way of our Lord Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? The Christian walk, our following Jesus is called the way. And it's called the way five other times in the book of Acts. But though Apollos has been walking in this way of Jesus, there are still significant gaps in his understanding of Jesus. Just as there are significant gaps in my own understanding of Jesus. And, dare I say it, in yours. And so, in Ephesus... Two followers of Jesus, Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, come gently alongside Apollos. And we learn in verse 26, crucial verse for this passage, they explain the way of God to him more accurately. Don't you love that? More fully. More beautifully, more graciously. You see, Paul probably did the same thing for Priscilla and Aquila earlier in Corinth when they first came there from Rome. Aquila and Priscilla probably did the same thing for Paul, helped him to understand Jesus more fully. And no doubt, Some later time, Apollos gets to do the very same thing for Paul and Aquila and Priscilla. On their own, they each only see through a glass darkly. They all need each other. And so do we. So do we. All right, so maybe you're sitting there this morning and wondering, well, what, what exactly doesn't Apollos get? <laughs> what doesn't he understand? What do they bring to light for him? Well, there are a few clues here. In the very next chapter, still in Ephesus, Paul meets 12 disciples of John the Baptist. Think about that. 20 years after Jesus' ascension, there are still followers of Jesus, or of John the Baptist, moving through the empire. They have received John's baptism of repentance, but have not received Jesus' baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's lavish inflow of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And so, 
in the New Testament's only case of rebaptism. The only one. Paul baptizes all 12 of them in Ephesus. All right, so that's our background. In our story, earlier, we learn that Apollos as well, Apollos as well, has only received John's baptism. Now, there's some debate whether or not he has already received the Holy Spirit or not. Because in verse 25, the burning enthusiasm with which Apollos preaches can also be translated from Greek as boiling with the Spirit. And is this perhaps why we never find any mention of Priscilla and Aquila rebaptizing Apollos, perhaps? But either way, either way, Apollos still has gaps in his understanding of Jesus, gaps that Priscilla and her husband Aquila are now able to fill in. And notice that for someone to be able to fill in your gaps of understanding, you have to be willing to receive them, don't you? Apollos is. Apollos has a teachable spirit. Do you? Do I? And it's because he has a teachable spirit that God is able to use him then to go on to Corinth to be an amazing help, an amazing teacher to the church in that city. In the same way, we can only glimpse the fullness of our Lord's Gospel as we see how it is lived by our other two billion sisters and brothers around the world. Every believer and every congregation has precious insights to share and serious blind spots to overcome. What are ours? What are our gifts? What are our blind spots? You know, we go to World Conference and we discover the blind spots, don't we? And we praise God to have new light cast into them. Fellowship with global believers helps us to see our walk with God in fresh and new and exciting ways. And we hope and pray that our global sisters and brothers come here to Harrisburg and come here to Lancaster and they go home saying the same thing. That they have experienced God's light brought into some of their blind spots as well. These global relationships are especially needed by those of us living so comfortably in the American empire. 
That's all of us, folks. So easily lulled to sleep by the empire's gospel of endless shopping, seduced by its lies and protected by its horrific violence from the heavens. Through these global relationships, God is continuing to save and to transform our beloved Mennonite Church USA family. And we need saving. And we need transformation. May it never end. God is calling us through these relationships to wake up, to repent, to turn. And energizing us. I hope you feel the energy. Energies, energizing us to seek the kingdom more faithfully. Our story shows us that there is one last thing that we can expect in our walk with God. Big, big surprises. Big, big surprises. Jesus, in John 16, 12, tells us as much when He says to His disciples and He says to us, I still have many things that I want to tell you. But you can't bear them right now. And when the Spirit of truth comes, the Spirit will guide you, guide you, guide you into the truth. Isn't that wonderful? In other words, we can expect that the Holy Spirit will continue to say new and unexpected things to us. Are we expecting that? But these are never just random surprises. Let's be clear. These surprises will always be entirely and fully consistent with Jesus' life and teachings and help us to incarnate and to follow Him more faithfully in our lives. That's the test. And dear friends, you just have to wonder if for our dear brother Apollos, one of these big, big surprises is Priscilla herself. Amen? Amen? I mean, did you notice the name order in verse 26? Priscilla comes first. And then her husband Aquila. Michelle and Barack have just arrived to our... Can you imagine? Priscilla comes first. As, and this isn't just an anomaly... It does so three other times in the New Testament. So we know it's not just a scribe's error. In their male-dominated culture, this name order reversal is unheard of. Commentators believe that it's a clear, clear indication of the leading role that Priscilla 
plays in the early church and the role that she plays in the discipling of Apollos. Do you see what's happening here? Just as Jesus did in his life and in his ministry, the Holy Spirit is now turning upside down, or maybe right side up, the unjust social norms of the day and empowering women to play a crucial role in the early church. Again and again, the Holy Spirit comes to surprise the early church by calling, and not just calling, but gifting women to serve as teachers, as prophets, as hosts, as benefactors, and as helpers. Just ask Priscilla. Just ask Lydia. Just ask Dorcas. But sadly, this vision, this vision is so radical that the early church cannot sustain it. And it soon reverts back to old patterns of male domination. Not just for a few years, but for 2,000 of them. And only in recent decades have we finally, finally begun to rekindle this vision of all people, men and women, fully sharing their gifts. Last night on the platform when the new leadership lineup for Mennonite World Conference came standing before us, we saw the incredible richness that this Diversity and gender gives to our leadership and to our church. The church is so much more fully blessed, so much more healthy, so much more faithful as a result. So let's end where we started. Out there on the beach in Miletus with Paul and his beloved friends. In their walk with God, they've discovered a brand new family. In their walk with God, they've learned so much more about Jesus from each other. And in their walk with God, They've been so surprised and so blessed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's now that Paul gets down on his knees in the sand and his friends join him there. What a scene. What a scene. And like the incoming surf, prayers of gratitude to God now flow from their lips and tears, sweet tears from their eyes. And then the elders warmly embrace, and they lavishly kiss Paul. And they take him to his ship. Amen.